What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Happy Tuesday. This is the first of two shows this week. You'll hear our normal show Friday morning where John LaRocca and myself break down AEW and NXT. And we're talking about that road to WrestleMania. It is that time. Uh, actually, it's possible we're doing a third show, but I, I don't want to... I don't want to jinx it, so it's we're for sure doing two. There may be a third show that shows up on Thursday, so I might have just lied to y'all, or I might have just told the truth, but you can just kind of you know, keep up with your feed, and if you see a special show on Thursday, then, uh, then that's the thing that I was trying to work on. But anyways, this show features an interview with former WWE superstars Antonio the Promise Thomas and Johnny Jeter they were working in WWE in the mid 2000s they both came up through OVW and if you're kind of aware of what's going on with indies and and such you you're probably aware of uh Antonio Promise Antonio Promise Thomas who has a retro uh, gimmick with his on the indie scene, uh, but he's also doing podcasts on uh, WrestlingObserver.com. So he's around, he's active, he's current. And on the flip side, Johnny Jeter has basically been away from the business for, I don't know, like 11 years or something. So Jeter is back. He's, I don't know, I, I mean, I think he's going to try to do some wrestling when, you know, when, when we're back in the whole. Uh, the end of the pandemic, or at least under control. But also what he hasn't done is he hasn't watched any wrestling. So Promise has been watching stuff, and Jeter hasn't. So they're going to do a podcast on the Fight Game Media Network called What's Your Finish? I'll Move. And they they, they explain the uh, title of the podcast um, in the interview. But uh, they're going to be part of the network. And so this is going to... I'll keep this short... But we recently changed the prices of the network. Uh, just two tiers, $2.99 and $7.99. Promise and Jeter's podcast will be in the $7.99 tier. But that's sort of the all-you-can-eat buffet tier. It's basically everything that we have on the network. So Meltzer, Moxley, Fumi Saito, all the five shows we do uh, Monday through Friday. Our WWE recap show, uh, my uh, pop culture show. So everything that we do on this network is now just for $7.99 a month. So you'll get over 20 podcasts a month, more than likely. And for the $2.99, it's kind of like the, you know, support support the crew uh, price. Uh, I think my uh, my Starbucks iced Americano is more expensive than, uh, than the subscription for the monthly $2.99. But you'll get, um, at, a, at a minimum, uh, three shows a week. Uh, my show with John LaRocca covering 97 Raw, which is just part, basically part two of this show that you're listening to now. We focus on the history stuff and we're covering 97 Raw, which is literally the greatest thing that, that we get to cover because it's so fun, that time period. Um, and also uh, two jabronis with a wrestling podcast, Ben Cruz and Jeremy Lose. They're talking about The Rock, his rise in WWE, and they're going to start covering the new show, Young Rock, which is on NBC uh, tonight, I think, tonight, as, as I am speaking. Uh, and so uh, the third show that's in that tier, also in the all-encompassing tier, is uh, Parker Klin's new short AEW recap, which is still untitled. We'll figure out a title before we publish on Wednesday night, which is 
basically AEW ends. He's writing a column for fightgamemedia.com on what he liked and disliked about the show. And then he's kind of putting that column into a, a podcast. And I believe uh, Paul Fontaine is actually going to be his co-host, help him steer the ship a little bit because Paul is watching live as well. So they're going to they're gonna have that recap of AEW Up Wednesdays, and that's going to be in the two ninety nine tier as well. Um, in addition to my uh, my pop culture podcast, but that's more like monthly. And I'm not I'm not exactly sure how many I'm able to do a month, but uh, but that's the two ninety nine tier, the seven ninety nine tier. That's it. We made sure to uh, take our learnings from the first two months and change of uh, of doing this network, and uh, we adjusted, and we're kind of going for it with these prices. Uh, if you have any feedback, gg at fightgamemedia.com. Okay, enough about the network. This is the Fight Game Podcast. This is the podcast that you are listening to. Um, and right now, I'm going to throw it to an interview that I did with Antonio the Promised Thomas and Johnny Jeter about Jeter. Jeter is back, folks. Johnny Jeter is back. And also, they're going to talk about the podcast that is on the Fight Game Media Network, which will debut this weekend. Here's the interview. All right, bringing on Antonio the Promised Thomas, who you've heard on this show several times. Uh, I've talked to Thomas about tons of stuff uh, relating to working out, relating to wrestling, and I've been on his show a lot. I'm also introducing his podcast partner, Johnny Jeter, both former WWE stars. Tom, first, how are you doing? And then also, let, let's let's hear how Johnny's doing. I'm doing great. Status quo from when you uh, had me on the last time. So uh, um, just doing good, enjoying married life. And uh, yeah, congratulations, really, by the way. We haven't you. had you on since you got married. Yeah. And uh, really, just really uh, excited for this podcast that's coming out. How's it going, Johnny? I'm good, man. Just uh, staying busy with work. Um, and the wife and I just moved from Phoenix to California. So uh, every weekend we've been either painting or uh, unloading all of our stuff and making trips to the dump to dump trash. It's just been been crazy. I feel, feel like I've been hit by a freight train. <laughs> but Now, uh, now did, did you move to uh, Southern California? No, I moved to Nor uh, Northern California. I'm about, I'm you guys about, are neighbors. Yeah, we're close then. Wait, where I'm in, I'm about I'm in Cameron Park. I'm about like 30 minutes east of Sacramento. Where are you at? Uh, I'm in the Bay Area, so we're like oh, 2 okay. hours away. Okay, yeah. Maybe even all... less. Gotcha. Um so okay, so the reason why you guys are on the show is because uh very early on when we created the Fight Game Media Network Patreon, I poked Tom uh promise and I was like, "Hey, you know, I know you already do a show." Do you have any interest in in doing anything else? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm pretty busy. But if if I get an inspiration or if I get an idea, I'll let you know. And so then he pinged me. And he's like, hey, I have this idea. I'm in communication with Johnny Jeter, and we were talking about current wrestling, and I, I an idea popped into my head about a show because I promise you've been pretty active since you stopped wrestling uh, for WWE full time. Mm -hmm. But Jeter, you haven't really been active and I know you're kind of getting back into it. And so Thomas's idea was let's look at current wrestling landscape through both of our lenses of I've been doing this. You haven't. But we both came from the same, 
you know, the same learning tree in a sense. So I thought that that was such a great idea and uh, just, a, you know, an idea to talk about wrestling in a, you know, slightly critical way, but also like through the lens of two veterans. But I guess my first question is, is, is Johnny, what uh, what have you been doing since you stopped wrestling and what kind of kept you away from keeping up with things? Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a long story. Uh, but, uh, cliff notes is, uh, yeah, no, I got out in 2008. Um, and the, and I ended up going to Cal state Northridge, got my bachelor's degree in accounting. Uh, I'm an it audit manager at insight. Uh, and I'm married to my wife, no kids, but we have a little dog named Ripley. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of, uh, living the dream. But the reason I left professional wrestling, full disclosure was, uh, I was, I was addicted to pills for a long time while I was there. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Like I'm going to kill myself if I stay in this, in this business and industry. Um, so yeah, I just literally just left, um, got myself cleaned up and again, got my degree. Um, but I, when I left wrestling, I left it. Like I shut that door and I did not look back. So that was 2008. Everything that's happened since 2008. Um, I, I, I have nothing. I have no idea what, what's been going on. Um, I would say probably maybe two or three years ago, when I was living in Phoenix, uh, I caught up with a local indie wrestler and, and after we got talking, I, I started to kind of miss, I, I don't know if I miss wrestling. I, I did miss wrestling, but I definitely miss performing and be in front of a crowd. Um, but I had some good thoughts and negative thoughts about wrestling, but I ended up, uh, going to championship wrestling from Arizona and they talked me into having a few matches. And after I had a few matches, I was kind of getting back into it. Um, but then as I was getting into it, I realized, wow, the landscape has changed so much. Uh, the things that these kids are doing, uh, is so different from the way promise and I were taught. Uh, and it just kind of blew my mind. Uh, so I ended up running that by promise and, and yeah, he had this, he had the same thoughts, but again, he's, he's been involved with it, you know, since he left and I have it. And it was cool hearing kind of that, that juxtaposition between, uh, both of us of, uh, of what's changed and what hasn't. And I'm going to ask Promise uh, something related to this in a second, but I guess just to follow up now, being away, is there was there any hesitation or worry on your end that getting back into it would bring back, you know, maybe some negative feelings, some negative uh, thoughts, memories to, you know, why you left it in the first place? Oh yeah, totally. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I do know that when, that I loved wrestling growing up and it's why we all get into it. It's almost like wrestlers are the biggest marks of them all, you know? Uh, but I didn't know what I was going to feel when I went back, but just being in, I'm a little older, a little wiser now. We're all adults. We all make our own decisions. Um, but just getting in that locker room and being around the boys and then getting that excitement and that energy and that adrenaline rush from being in the ring. And I just was like, I started to remember all the reasons why I loved wrestling. Um, and, and, and I don't regret leaving. I know I left for the right reasons. Um, and I, I have a very, I reflect very fondly on my professional wrestling career. Um, but yeah, no, I did have some hesitation going back. I didn't know what I was going to feel, but ultimately I, it was a positive experience and I'm, and I'm glad that, um, CWFAZ gave me the opportunity to, uh, be involved with them. 
I promise, and Jeter, you, you can pop in as well, but I'm kind of interested in what was your relationship with each other like back in the day, um, both coming up uh, in, in some, you know, through, through the system in, in similar ways, like, were you guys tight or was this relationship a little bit, uh, you know, got a little bit closer after you guys lost touch? Like, how did that work? I think, I think we became much closer after, um, WWE and I was so like, I didn't drink till I got to the main roster. I didn't party. Like I missed out on a lot of good times in Louisville because I was so focused on getting out of there and going to the main roster. And you know, uh, instead of enjoying the journey. And I certainly learned that after WWE and going and traveling the world and going to Japan and, and Puerto Rico and Europe and all that, you know, um, but we became closer after that, but we were certainly, I mean, we're friendly. We talk all the time. We, um, we work together a lot you know, both in practice and in tag matches with, with, um, me and Romeo and Jeter and Capitelli. And then, um, I think there was a couple house show loops that Johnny, um, we rode with Johnny before he got called up to, with the spirit squad. I remember rooming with him. I think like in Indianapolis, cause he got the, the free room and the free rental car. Yeah, at development the time. got the free room. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, once once we kind of both got up to the main roster, I think you can, you know, we were swimming in a sea of piranhas kind of and we could relate to each other because because, you know, we were working with, you know, guys that have been there, been in the business 15, 20 years. And, and so it was all new to us. So there's a lot of pressure on, you know, each of our groups or tag teams. So, um, and then as the years have gone by, a bunch of us from OVW have kept in touch and been in fantasy football leagues and stuff. So we, I think we've been closer definitely after WWE than, than during OVW. Uh, you know, you mentioned somebody in, in talking about this, you know, in your tag team matches and I think the the person's name that you mentioned, uh, Matt Capitelli, to hardcore wrestling fans was uh, somebody who, uh, you know, we were very interested in and seeing how he was doing because of uh, a lot of charisma and a little bit on the smaller end. But then uh, he 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 got ill and and then, you know, there was the cancer situation. And I, I you know, I know. I don't want to make this a, a downer uh, show, but you know, just the fact that he, you know he passed away at such a young age, I just you know kind of wanted to throw that name around. Like, how you know how close were you, Promise? And uh, of course, seeming uh, you know Jeter, tag team uh, partner. I'm, I'm sure you guys were were pretty tight. But do you have any thoughts or stories on Capitelli? Um, you want to take I mean, that one time? Yeah, I <clears throat> I was. We we're as close with Matt. Well, I was as I was with anyone else there. Um, but Matt was always, always in a great mood. Always, uh, just always remember him before practices, doing laps around the ring in the in the uh, 
OVW arena and just always had a smile on his face, always in a good mood, loved working with him. Um, he was the first, I remember one of the things I picked up like working aspect of, of, of being in the ring was I remember him when he'd pin me telling, telling me when to kick out, kick out at one, kick out at two. I'm like, why is he telling me to kick out? And then you realize, well, we're at the beginning of the match or we're at the end of the match, you know, just, and he's a really, he's a fucking really good worker and, um, so underrated. And I remember we, I think he was teaming with the Miz and then, um, he found out he had cancer and I think they put Chris Cage. Yeah, they did put Chris Cage with the Miz before the Miz got called up and we did a bunch of house shows with them. Um, but we would have really, would have really loved to to have done matches with with him and Jeter on the main roster because when you're working with your friends and working with people you feel comfortable with, you you hit each other harder, you know, in in safe areas. You go out there and you want to steal the show, and you're not you're not as timid as as you would be working with other people. So um, I had nothing but fond memories, and I'm sure Jeter can elaborate m- more on that. Yeah, man, man, what does, what do you say about Matt? He, I remember when he first came to Ohio Valley wrestling with, with, uh, John Morrison, I always say Morrison, but he's nitro. He's on like 50 different names. Um, <laughs> but I remember when they first won tough enough and they, and they came to Ohio Valley, um, and they were a tag team together and eventually John went solo and, and then, uh, Cornette paired Matt and I up as the thrill seekers. Um, and it was, I don't want to say Matt and I were opposites, but we were kind of opposites in a way in the sense where I think we had similar ring styles, but like Matt was, was like, he was like the moral compass for everyone in the locker room. He like, I'll reiterate what everything Tom said. He was just, he was always happy, very positive influence in the locker room, um, was always down to do any, any spot or, or tell any story you wanted to in the ring. And he was just so fun to work with. Um, not the saying that I wasn't, I, I, but I would just say just my lifestyle compared to his, we were very different. He was very religious. I wasn't. So in that regard, we were a little different, but, um, it almost worked to our advantage because it really brought out the best in each of us. And we got in the ring and we started just coming up with different ideas ideas, um, different spots, different ways to tell stories in the ring. And, and man, we had some awesome, that was a fun time to be in Ohio Valley wrestling in the tag team division. Cause man, just working with Eminem or heartthrobs or, um, uh, the Tolans, man, we just, we had, we had a blast. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I think when he ended up getting cancer, I got, I remember the night he had that match. I think, uh, we had a tag match or something and, oh no, I was already healed at the time, but cage did a run in and I think he hit him with a flying forearm and just knocked Capitelli completely loopy. And I, I was kind of teaming with Mark Henry at the time. And at that point, the finish of the match was Mark Henry (laughs) pretty much decimates Capitelli. Um, but as we were picking cap up, he's like, you guys got to help me finish the match. I don't, I don't remember anything. We were like, Oh shit. Um, so I don't remember what exactly happened, but we got through the match without killing him. Um, and then we, I ended up taking him to the hospital and we just thought maybe he had a concussion. We, when we got to the back of the locker room, you could, we sat him down. You could see he was a little loopy. Right. Um, but we didn't, I mean, that happens all the time, you know, not all the time, but it happens enough in wrestling where it doesn't really surprise anyone if someone gets kind of like knocked loopy. 
but yeah, we took him to the hospital that night and, um, yeah, they ended up finding out that he had a, you know, cancer or tumor in the side of his head, stage four. And that just changed everything. It just, you, you couldn't have happened to, a um, you know, so like, what's the word I'm looking for? A worse person. No one ever deserves that. But Matt was the best of us, and he definitely didn't deserve that. And it was definitely a uh, uh, a career cut short. So the hard to transition from that, and but I, I knew it. I just, I, I just, I just love hearing anything about him because of uh, you know you, uh, everything I'd, I'd, I'd ever heard was positive. So thanks to both of you for sharing those stories. Um, so we're, we're going to get to the podcast in a second. But I did have one more question about sort of those those old days for you guys. So you guys are coming up after a previous wave of guys who became pretty big time stars um you know the orton and lesnar and and uh, then john cena soon thereafter like when it came to uh the pressure of you guys kind of becoming that then next wave like was there pressure from wwe maybe through ovw to say okay you know we need these guys we need we need some fresh talent we need we know these guys are up and comers like how does that work or how did that work for you guys in wwe did you sense that there was any pressure to kind of constantly having this new wave of guys and you guys are sort of in that next class and promise we'll start with you but i also want to hear jeter's thoughts on that uh, we didn't feel pressure to uh, follow in those footsteps. Um, I just felt pressure and I, I, you know, Romeo felt the same thing of just we're so green and only a few years in just learning, you know, you just you're getting the grasp of singles wrestling, but then you get to get the, the subtleties and nuances of tag team wrestling and we're doing we're doing stuff in OVW that wasn't going to correlate to the main roster. And, um, you know, so we were doing stuff down there and when we go to TV, Ricky Steamboat would be like, you know, you're going to be, you're not going to be baby faces. You're going to be heels and you can't be this and you can't be that. So it's like, there was a lot of pressure of us just to kind of keep our heads above water when we did get called up there. Um, and I think, I don't know. And Jeter can correct me if I'm wrong, but there was always anytime the office would come or guys are always guys and girls always, I guess we're afraid of getting released or people that have been there a few years, just like, when the hell am I going to get called up? So, um, I was always like in a rush to want to get called up and, and be able to go back home. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I remember Tommy Dreamer saying, you know, guys and girls are going to get called up. Uh, we don't know when, but it's going to be sink or swim. And, you know, him and Lance would always iggy us in on, on what it's going to be like, you know, do this, don't do that. Um, you know, how to act in the don't get heat. You never wanted to get heat, which is so dumb. You know, it's it's inevitable, but just, you know. Our, we were so new and had so much going on. It was like, uh, we need more time to develop, but oh shit, here we go. We're getting called up two days before. Let's just do our best not to fuck up and not piss anyone off. So that's kind of, that's kind of our perspective. 
Yeah, I would reiterate that. But I think to me, I felt tremendous pressure. And I think the reason why was because uh, I wasn't 6'9", 290. You know, I wasn't Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar. So I knew I have to go out there. I have to look as good as I can. And I have to be the best person wrestling in that ring. Uh, because what's the, the alternative is getting released and starting back from zero, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that's at the time, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, and like, I always felt I was like I was walking on eggshells in a way. And it wasn't from a lack of confidence or confidence in my abilities. It's just, you've almost, I feel bad. You almost feel, I almost felt like cattle in a way. And it, it was almost reiterated. Like you don't shake someone's hands. Oh, you're going to get heat. You eat the last chicken breast and catering and taker comes in. Oh, you're going to get heat. Oh, you didn't, you didn't get your gear on to go work out before the show at TV. Oh, you got heat. He doesn't want it. Uh, Oh, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. It's just every little thing. It's like you, I think backstage, the, the, the locker room, you're all one big fraternity and everyone gets along, but at the same time, like you're on TV, you're taking TV time away from someone else. So there was a, there was a huge competitive aspect to, to everyone interacting and, and trying to be the best in it. That led to people hazing or, or starting BS reasons to give someone heat in a joking way. But I don't think they realized the impact that that would have on some people's career just by making little comments comments um that people would blow out of proportion yeah i remember i remember i remember my tag team partner at a super show coming um i was going back to the locker room and he came like walking quickly he's like don't go to the locker room he's like (laughs) he's like jbl and booker t are in there with matt matt morgan and like other you know it was and they were on smackdown we were on raw so i was like all right and it was like it was yeah it was so like who are you gonna who are you gonna piss off next who are you gonna you know do that and what and and yeah what jeter was saying there was definitely pressure to not get released because you didn't want that you get your dream job here but then once you get it it's like be careful what you wish for cuz you know it's uh it's it's not always um what you think it's going to be and i you think, think yeah and i think too that that has a that has a bearing on like your state of mind and from like like i when i was there i wasn't happy and you think that hey i'm working for wwe i'm i'm with a lot of my my buddies i'm on tv this is this is i'm making money this is fantastic but honestly i was i i never felt comfortable. Like, and again, it wasn't from a lack of my abilities. You just never knew, know, and you never knew if someone was going to wake up, um, and either fire you or not like right. you for, for whatever reason, or someone Friday something Fridays, you'd be looking for that unknown number every time someone would yeah. call. <laughs> and you know, it was like, I remember Mark Magnus, Muhammad Hassan, he'd be gnawing on his fingers all day and on flights. Oh, yeah, and like, I remember him, when I first got to OVW and then he was going gray by the time we got to the main roster in April, which was like six months later. And yeah, it was just so like, like what is going on here? It was just so uncomfortable at the time and things, things have changed for the better. For sure. So one, can, uh, I add, can I add one more thing to, go for to your question? Um, going back to Ohio Valley. And I think the difference the, going and also to the, 
to the tremendous amount of pressure. It's like when we were there, you were responsible for your own career in the sense where it's your responsibility to stay in shape. It's your responsibility to study tape, you know, learn your craft, learn how to tell a story, get in that ring, um, not get hurt. Um, just every aspect, your look, your character, your promos, everything was on you. It wasn't like you had someone saying, Oh, try this or try doing this and that. I mean, outside of Mm. learning the foundations and practice of, of wrestling and practicing your promos, but like you didn't get a lot of guidance on that. But now I hear it at NXT or down in Florida, it's like they got personal trainers. They, I don't know what their classes are like or, or, or what they're being taught or or what that looks like. But I mean, just from what I hear, it was a lot more than what we ever got. So, um, so yeah, it was, that adds a tremendous amount of pressure because not everyone knows how to cut a promo. Not everyone knows, you know, how to work. Everyone knows how to work out, but like, you know, maybe they don't know how to diet or, um, you know, or I don't know, just change things up a bit to, to look, to go that extra mile to look the way they want to look. Um, that was all on us. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that because my follow-up was going to be, uh, you know, Promise and I are, are big time sports fans. Jeter, I don't know if you follow a lot of sports, but like a, a minor league system for a, a baseball organization. If, you know, if that organization is on its P's and Q's and they can actually help the young talent get better and, and improve, then the, you know, the major league system or the major league team is going to benefit from that. And what I was wondering is, is because you mentioned NXT, if you guys, you know, put yourselves back in that time frame, if you had an NXT or if you had maybe a little bit less of a, of a locker room situation where, you know, you weren't intimidated or you weren't like, always want you know looking around and 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 make you know peeking behind yourself do you think that would have actually helped you or do you think that you know whatever would have happened would have happened either way like how do you guys look at that when you think back of your career you know like promise said you know dream job or or maybe you said it johnny but like you guys were there and then all of a sudden you know whatever happened happened and and now i wonder if you guys look back on that in in you know just say if we if we could do it again maybe we do it a little bit differently or do you just be like that that was just you know how it was and and those are the experiences and i've learned from them And, and promise you can go first no i i like the way I, I like what we had in OVW because you were assigned directly from the Indies. Everyone could work there. Everyone is experienced aside from a Bobby Lashley or a Nick Nemeth that came um, that were learning from the ground up there. Um, you know, we could all work to varying degrees. Um, and that was, you know, you had a direct there's so many pathways that you have to go through now and so many different classes um, at the performance center. And then, you know, uh, people at the main roster, we had Dr. Tom and then we had Tommy dreamer and they were a direct conduit from the, from us to the main office. So um, I liked it better than I liked the one ring better. I, I, been to NXT and I've been a guest trainer there and it's phenomenal. It's, um, the, the coaches there are awesome. Robbie Brookside, Norman Smiley, Terry Taylor, Scott Taylor, um, Matt Bloom there. It's so positive there. It's positive and uplifting. And that's the one thing I wish we, we, uh, we had where got, you know, we would, 
people would be nervous to go to practice when certain coaches were there because not because they were going to tell you to that's the shits or that fucking sucks. But, you know, because you were going to be bumping all day or um, doing taking hip tosses all day or having an eight hour practice. Um, that doesn't happen now. Uh, and it's a positing, nurturing um, atmosphere. Now, that being said, what Jeter said about you are on your own, you had to figure it out on your own. I've said this numerous times to people that when you have to figure it out on your own, you become a better worker. You navigate the landscape better. All the guys that go to NXT now to the performance center that have gone through the indies that have had to get bookings, had to work out on their own, had to do 20 hour car rides so they could wrestle 20 minutes for 20 bucks, they can navigate on their own. They don't need people to think for them, but the people that a lot of the, the guys and girls that come from other sports or other that don't go to the Indies, they have everyone thinking for them how to, you know, they can't think of reversing a wrist lock or a, you know, what to do from a headlock on their own. Um, because, it's everything is being thought out for them. We had, you know, Dr. Tom and Lance storm would get in the ring with us and you'd be like, Oh wow. You, that's how the, the light bulb would click on. Like, Oh wow. That's how a lockup's supposed to be. Oh wow. That's how, <clears throat> wow. I don't need to blow up doing a, a pin drill or it's, it's that easy and effortless. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's missing nowadays in a, in an atmosphere like that. So it's apples, oranges, it's whatever you like better. But I think whether it's a performance center or a similar atmosphere, when everything is thought out for you and you aren't left to your own devices to figure it out on your own, um, you can be robotic. You can be, um, you're thinking in terms of paint by numbers instead of just reacting and doing, doing what comes naturally. Do you have any thoughts on running it back and, and whether or not it would be the same or, or different Johnny, man, I don't know. I, cause I've never been to NXT. I just know what I've heard. And, and so I have nothing really to compare it to. Um, but I just know for, for me, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I would, well, I don't know, man. It's, it's fun to think, but, but I enjoyed my Ohio Valley wrestling experience. Uh, I mean, I, I may say like, you know, we, at least for WWE, there were, there were stressful times for sure. Um, but I had a great time, you know, interacting and, and meeting different people, building lifelong friendships. Um, the good thing about Ohio Valley wrestling, yeah, like th- you had amazing trainers, Danny Davis, Dinsmore, Conway, you, I mean, Cena and those guys would sometimes come down. We had Al Snow, um, Lance Storm, Rip Rogers. And the good thing about being in that environment, um, is that they're going to, if, if you're the shits, they're going to tell you that you're the shits. Yep. Um, so you're, you're, I don't recall ever getting complimented on anything I did there. Um, and, but that was, that really, I mean, yeah, you, everyone always wants to hear how great they are, but you're not going to get better that way. So Ohio Valley, yeah, you figure it out, but it pushes you that extra mile. And then when you get in the ring, you try something like you're going to make 9,000 mistakes, but you're going to have all these trainers tell you that you're doing it wrong. And that's how you get better. Um, yeah. And, and, and oh, go ahead. Cornette too would there this is one of Jeter's favorite terms live to tape was 
was <laughs> o- OVW TV. Uh, live to tape. So live to tape. So that show, every second, every minute of it was planned out and formatted. So because there was no editing involved, they, they recorded it and it went live to tape. So it was tougher to stick to your times and to, you know, how to go to a commercial break or what to do coming out of a commercial break in OVW than it was on, uh, you know, on the main roster. So, and then Cornette would break down TV with us the next Thursday afternoons. And, you know, there were, there were people that would cry sometimes cause he was honest. Um, but in a, in a, it was in a it wasn't in a go fuck yourself kind of way it wasn't like many people would think it was in a a positive way and and um you, you know so you you can't help but getting better we had we had we were getting a pa between all those people that that jeter said we were getting a phd in how to how to work and how to do promos and how to format sequences and 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 come up with false finishes and finishes for matches the one the one thing i will say about ohio valley and again it's i'm it's got it's it's got to be comparable to nxt because i'm sure they do the same thing but i think you know at some point like you, you have amazing trainers that are that are giving you the phd in professional wrestling but i think there comes a point where you if you really want to get to the next level, you got to wrestle guys that are better than you. Mm. Um, because I think at some point, you know, if you stay in Ohio Valley wrestling too long, just as I'm sure if you stayed NXT too long, um, you kind of just, you, you're kind of, you're not growing anymore. You're just staying stagnant. You may learn a new spot. You may learn a new, you know, um, move or two or, or whatnot, but like you have to go to the next level, wrestle guys that are better than you to, to, to make it to that next level. And I think the good thing about Ohio Valley is yeah, they take guys on the road, do house show loops and, and then they give you your feedback and either call you up or, or not. Um, but I'm not sure how it works in NXT, but it sounds like they have amazing trainers that, that help. But, uh, but I'm not sure if, um, if, if they, it sounds like they just have the roster and they just do their shows on the road. I don't know if they bring guys on and do house show loops like they did in the past. I'm not, I don't really know how all that works now. So that your show will have some of these stories sprinkled in, you know, two, two uh, wrestlers I'm sure cannot go without a conversation of, of remembering times. Cause you guys are so connected in that way, but let's talk about the podcast really quickly in these next couple minutes. So promise this was your, uh, this was an idea. I guess both of you ha- had a similar idea about it, but um, the Genesis of it as pitched to me was like, you know, let's watch current matches through the eyes of, of uh, our upbringing or our training but one of you has been in the business since and one of you hasn't. So uh, talk a little bit about your idea for the show and how you know you expect it to work for the listeners. Um, yeah, my idea was I've seen all these matches these last 15 years, these, you know, um, uh, you know, anything with AEW, all the New Japan matches, um, the Shield coming up, CM Punk, um, John Cena's run, uh, Dolph, Dolph Ziggler, who was, who was Johnny's teammate in, uh, in WWE. So, you know, and, and have worked with a lot of these people and have been on, you know, have my career for me. And, you know, I was, 
you know, I was just starting my journey as I wanted to go around the world and I wanted to go to Japan and do the Indies and do all that stuff, do go to ring of honor and whatnot. And, and, um, so I've, you know, been in it the last 15 years. And then I was thinking, you know, Jeter hasn't been in it for the last 15 years and he's never seen any of what's gone on the last Kenny Omega. Yeah. Yeah. So he's maybe heard of some people, but I, I don't know if he's even seen Cody Rhodes, you know, and what, what AEW is all about new Japan. So, um, he's never, he only knows Chris Jericho from WWE and the super J cup in 94 and 95. So seeing going on this journey together with different perspectives and, and hearing it and talking about it on the show, with his first impressions of all of CM Punk, of, of Dolph Ziggler, um, of Kenny Omega, of the young bucks, all of this, I think makes for a really fascinating show and something different and unique and, and fun. Do you have the matches picked out already that, that you want to go through first with him? Yeah. I mean, we, we've, do you want us to tell us what, well, well, the first episode is we don't review a match. We just kind of set the table for, Got it. for what we, uh, what the show is going to be about and just kind of the go more in depth about the, the genesis of the show. Mm-hmm. But the week after that, we're going to be watching Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho from wrestle kingdom 12 and kind of the, um, I gave Jeter the backdrop for it and the, the promos leading up to it. It's kind of the genesis of, of AEW beginning and, right. and kind of, um, has a little bit of everything in terms of um, familiarity and brawling technical stuff that I think uh, I I really enjoyed it and I th- I'm anxious to see what what Jeter thinks about it. No, it's a great idea. I think uh, a lot. You know, I told a couple people about the idea, and and one of my buddies. He was like, what? Jeter's going to be on the show? Like, I'm the biggest Johnny Jeter fan. I watched every single OVW tape that there was because he also works. um, His name is Chris uh, DePetrio. He's doing some Karate Kid podcast stuff with me. And um, uh, he goes, he basically says that uh, because I think because he works in a wrestling figure, his company is a wrestling figure company. So I guess there was some distribution with the OVW. He was able to get those tapes or whatever, but uh, he was just so fired up because I think honestly, people who were watching wrestling in the early to the mid two thousands very much remember Johnny Jeter, but because uh, Johnny, that you did go away. Like there's been this like, wow, we missed that guy. We haven't seen that guy. We haven't heard from that guy. So I think this is such an interesting idea. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, to putting these shows up on uh, the Patreon and I think people will dig it. So um, any last words uh, promise? I know you, you just did a podcast with Eric Watts that I have sort of put it in my queue that I haven't listened to yet. Uh, our, uh, my co-host, John LaRocca, I understand is on a, a little bit of that show, but mm-hmm. anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, just, I, I know Chris from, he's from new England, Chris, I, where's our action figures, man. Heartthrobs <laughs> or Thomas Santel. Maybe I know he's probably listening. So maybe me and Jeter can get some action figures out of this. Yeah. That'd be um, sweet. No, I'm just, I, I hope this, you know, when everything is, is kind of somewhat back to normal again, whatever that will be. Um, 
I'm I'm really excited for you know wrestling is better with some people like like Johnny Jeter in it and yeah um you know getting back to there's a, so much that left to accomplish I think if it, if if he wants to and I think he you know you miss wrestling and and watching some of his matches from, from they sent me from Arizona um you know that that the old thrill seeker Johnny Jeter is is still there and uh I think it's going to be fun to 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 watch these matches and and um kind of get back however it may be into to wrestling and Johnny, I know you're not really big into the social media stuff, but you do have an Instagram. Did you want to plug your Instagram at least? Yeah, it's uh, jjeter310. Um, feel free to add me and follow what I'm doing if you're interested. But I will say, hey, I'm amazed uh, that one person actually remembers me because I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that that early to, to mid 2000s is almost like a forgotten era that never gets talked about really. Um, and maybe because Benoit was there or what whatnot. But, um, I remember Dave Lagana came to championship wrestling from Arizona and he was doing some stuff with, uh, HWA and they were getting involved there. And he said the same thing. It's like, no one ever talks about that. So then when he said that to me, I'm like, yeah, I, I never see that really mentioned anywhere or, or at all. So I can't imagine. I just thought I was, uh, you know, one of five, you know, nameless faces in the spirit squad. So just the fact that someone actually remembers me, I'm, uh, that makes me feel good, but, uh, no, well, there, oh, go ahead. There's a theory out there with, with the fan base that anything from the last 15 years has sort of been put on ice for, for WWE, but you know, you go back to the attitude era and they love talking about the attitude yeah. era, obviously the Hogan run, they love talking about the Hogan run, but for whatever reason, like, you know, WWE network is a great vehicle to really push some of that stuff from that time frame. But yeah, a lot of people just think for whatever reason, the last 15 years, WWE just decides not to really talk about it too much. And I think there, you know, if you think of what the attitude era created, uh, post, you know, post attitude era, there was still a lot of fans watching. There were still a lot of casual fans watching. It obviously wasn't as big, but for some reason they barely talk about that stuff. I don't know. I think some of it is like the, there, there may have been a little bit of like, you know, what kind of product are we, you know, obviously in the yeah. 2010s, they lean a little bit closer to like these big brands so that, so they tone it down and, you know, the post attitude era, there's still a little bit of that edginess. There's still a little bit of irresponsibleness. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, it's kind of forgotten. So I don't, I don't know why, but it it is a, a time that I clearly remember. Like I'm, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was as big of a fan in the mid 2000s as I was in the early 2000s, but I think I was a much smarter fan to things. And obviously I'm reading the observer and I'm talking, you know, to certain people. And now, you know, I have promise, you know, sending me texts when he's watching something that doesn't make sense. And I'm up. Yep. I, I get it. A hundred percent. Garrett tries to play good cop, but well, I, I try. Yeah. I try to play the opposite yeah, side of things sometimes because I sort of understand why some of these things are happening. But from your standpoint, like you're a traditional pro wrestler who came in and was taught the fundamentals. Like, look, I, I get DMS from Lance storm all the time too. Like it's not, you know, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's our generation. Um, 
you know, we were raised watching this thing in a different way than the current generation. But if it was only our generation carrying the torch as a fan base, like then pro wrestling doesn't exist in 30 years. Right. Like, so you do have to reach the younger fan. And how do you do that today? Like, that's that's really hard. No, and, you and you got to you you have to evolve. You have to change and you got to adapt. And, and that's you know, I'm going to have a different view on a lot of these matches than Jeter because I've had to, um, you know, I've had to adapt and have to, had to do things, but the do things differently or, or whatever your crowd is, you know, if you got a hipster really, um, like a beyond wrestling, you got a hipster crowd that's really into, um, you know, the independent wrestling scene, then you get a, you get a tailor to them, but it doesn't mean that logic and, realness and believability get thrown out the window and it's um so uh, I, I don't know bro i i saw a match <laughs> we were talking about it on our first podcast about about I, I saw i saw a match between two guys and they just hit each other in the face with roundhouse kicks at least eight times no sold them all <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like okay i, I don't know in, in what crowd anywhere around the world where that would make sense uh, yeah no, but, I, okay. <laughs> i know okay i know and you know, last thing here, we didn't even say the name of the podcast and it's, Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, I was, I I wanted to set you up for the end because I was going to, I was wondering if you were going to do the, uh, impersonation or not and how we've actually heard this, uh, the, the, the the name. So the thin, the, the finish, the finish of this show is where we reveal the name of the show. And, after much deliberation, we came upon a lot of deliberation. Uh, Superstars of the Squared Circle was a close second. <laughs> um, but uh, the show is called What's Your Finish? I'll Move. Tell the quick story of what that what that actually refers to, just for the people who don't know. I, I mean, I knew. Once you sent it to me, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Go ahead, Jeter. Yeah. So, (laughs) so there's like this old school mentality where if you're working with some new kid that you've never worked before and you know, you're like, Hey, you know, I've got some ideas, you know, uh, what, what do you want to do for your finish? And the guy's like, Oh, well I do a a corkscrew moonsault off the top rope, uh, onto it. I'll lay you on a chair or two and then I'll do a corkscrew moonsault off the top. It's like, Fantastic. I'll move. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, I, it was always a running joke with Rip or with Al Snow too in Ohio Valley. It's like, what's your finish? And even if it, no matter what it sounds like, you just say, I'll move. So it makes the guy feel good that he's getting it in, but uh, you don't have to worry about uh, getting killed out there in the ring. So uh, yeah, that's where that's the kind of how it uh, started. We just thought that was funny. Yeah, I, I've heard that story from uh rick flair mentions it on a lot of podcasts but he does it in the harley race voice with the fake dragging of the cigarette between the two uh the two phrases (laughs) (laughs) that's funny okay no this is great uh podcast i think is going to be awesome and yeah fight game media network uh go to patreon.com front slash fight game media so thanks to the both of you gonna be great i can't wait to listen to these shows and uh i think uh i think the fan base i think we'll we'll be able to grow we'll be able to add some folks who are like oh wow these guys are talking about stuff that i used to watch and maybe i don't watch anymore but maybe this will help me watch some new stuff through the eyes of some veterans so uh so thanks to uh johnny thanks to promise i'm double g we'll see when we see you peace out